Hey everyone, we know the last thing you need is another fitness podcast to catch you up on the newest trends, fad diets, and fictitious fat blasting workouts that will be dead in the coming decade. (laughs) I need to start over. (laughs) You were doing so good. Keep going. But I said decade really weird. That was my favorite pronunciation of decade ever. Keep going. Should I start over? That will be dead in the coming decade. Enter myself, Mariana, and Tony. We made the Fitness Stuff podcast to make exercise and nutrition science practical. Our goal is to expose misinformation in the industry by providing only evidence-based education. For today, we're covering creatine. Tony's gonna take you through everything you want to know about creatine, and I am here to probe him with all the questions that you guys probably have as well. Tony, how are we today? Marvelous. I like probe. I like that word. I'm marvelous. (laughs) How are you, Mariana? I'm good. No complaints. I have some caffeine in me and ready to get going. I've had way too much. Because you know how excited I get about creatine. Yeah. You know how excited I get about creatine. When people ask me if I'm excited. Pops me up. Okay, so we're doing a creatine crash course. The creatine crash Mm. course. We are taking you through every freaking step. We do a lot of trends on this show. We cover a lot of trends on social media. What's trending? Can you name a larger trend than creatine over the last probably year that you've seen that's been stuck, that's consistent, that's just been popping off? I honestly can't. And I feel like this is a topic that's always going to be popular because it is so unique, especially in the exercise science literature in terms of the amount of studies on it. And that's not something you see often in terms of the efficacy of a supplement. So I I don't think it's ever going to go away. And I think it's only going to evolve. Yeah, I think you're right. And especially, like you said, it's just rare because if you're in the industry and you're honest and truthful, you know that not many supplements really take much of an effect. Like they, they don't carry that large of an effect to that large of a population. Creatine keeps doing it. So we're doing creatine. Do we call it creatine crash course? Creatine 101? Creatine It's whatever. At the end of the day, you're going to know exactly what you're talking about. So today, the goal of the day, right? We're going to talk about the science of creatine more specifically. Creatine's role in the body in every living human being, regardless of supplementation. So us right now, your mom, my sister, everyone, babies around the world, everyone has creatine inside their body right this second. Regardless of supplementation, that's what we wanna get out in front of. We're gonna also talk about what supplementing with it can change and how we perform, recover, and even think. And I think that's the most exciting thing I'm talking about. After that, we'll talk about more practical application, right, with supplementation practices for who, what, when, where, and how and then answer some big questions from hair loss to bloating to growth hormone, everything being covered and more. So that's the goal of the episode. And I'm not gonna lie, I think this is big and I ran this by you beforehand because I don't like to hit you with surprises on podcasts. But I do think this is going to be implemented. I think creatine is going to be as common as multivitamins in the coming five to 10 years, especially with its effects on mental health and cognition coming up, especially in aging adults. It's not just being shown to be a very useful tool for athletes, which we know and is well-documented, but now more and more research going into its effect on aging adults, people just who don't even work out being a very, seeing high benefit from it. Do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm just too excited about it? No, I do agree. I think it's going to be more popular than multivitamins i honestly don't even think it's on the same playing field as multivitamins because the research on multivitamins is very clear in the sense that they don't do much most people don't need to take a multivitamin 
unless if it's really great for kids if they don't eat their fruits and veggies but there's if you have deficiencies you're much better targeting those specific deficiencies than taking a multivitamin that has less of each vitamin nutrient you need and you're also getting nutrients you don't you don't even need so it it just i don't think they're on the same level playing field in terms of how they can be so useful because multivitamins okay that's a hot take that's even hotter than my take i just put a big smile on my face because that is 100 true it's 100 true like as far as study efficacy like creatine makes sense for most every person where multivitamins just don't they sound good they connect good but they don't actually you're not going to notice the difference where creatine is something that makes notable noticeable change. Yeah. Dang, that just got me excited because mm-hmm. I think you're 100% yeah. right. multivitamins. Maybe another <clears throat> topic for another day. <laughs> oh, a thousand percent. I think we could do a whole supplement series. It only makes yeah. sense to start off with creatine. Okay, so why we want to talk about it, right? I mean, you now both know that me and Mariana, none of this is going to come off biased. We don't just love it. No, here's why we're talking about it. Here's why we're so excited about it. So, one of Mariana and I's favorite uh, websites is for free. It's called Examine.com. You can pay for a membership or you can use it for free to look up. I know it's more supplemental based, right? But it actually rounds up all relative evidence and research surrounding certain supplements that has been published. So I first recommend it. I recommend examine.com for anybody looking into taking on a new supplement just because it gives you something called a human effect matrix where it rounds up all legitimate research and tells you what the legitimate and noticed effect in study actually carries out with these supplements. So if the newest influencer with their shirt off or their butt in their face is slamming this detox, whatever in your face, and you're like, man, I don't know. It sounds good. They look good. I don't know if I should take it. Look it up on examine.com. It will actually tell you what research has been done, if any, on what someone is trying to sell you. Mm-hmm. Huge, massive tool. So on examine.com, they round up, and this is probably the hardest topic because creatine, like we were saying before, has the most studies out of a single supplement done in human trial, which is incredible, Mm -hmm. right? Over 66 studies have shown that it increases power output. 15 studies show that it helps decrease fatigue and increase fatigue resistance during training. At least three studies, now I think maybe more, I haven't checked this update in the last few weeks, has been shown promising data that creatine plays a role in improving major depressive disorder and its interaction with SSRIs. 19 different studies show that it can increase your anaerobic capacity during training, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is a lot. I think there's close to over 500, even though that sentence didn't make sense. There's over 500 different research studies on creatine. I'm more excited about its role in mental health soon. So that's why we're talking about it. Do you have another reason why? That was a... a Yeah, I think mental health is huge. And also that is an area that is evolving really quickly. And we're going to, in the coming... I'd say next five years, the research we're going to have on its effect on mental health is going to be even greater than now because it's newer. And Mm -hmm. like I said, it's ongoing. So that's really exciting to me. And then I also just love it from a performance standpoint. I find it so fascinating how hard people can work in a sport, in the gym to get to peak performance. And then you have... That can, mm-hmm. that can elevate you just slightly to see a difference. So say you're a sprinter running 50 meters, taking creatine could be, of course, you're training, you're working really hard, but taking cre- creatine could be what you need to take 
0.02 seconds off time so that you can win. Which is huge. Yeah. In that setting, mm-hmm. that's huge. Like, it, yeah, and I think we'll talk about setting realistic expectations, but just like you said, it can give you that little boost, especially in top performers, where that little difference matters. Yeah. That little difference matters a lot. And when it comes down to strength training athletes, and we all know we're not going to see mass. You're not going to double your bench press. You're not going to cut no. your sprint time in half. Nothing ever is going to do that. Not even anabolics can do that. But it's going to give you that little edge, which especially if you're an athlete, matters. Yeah. The edge matters. So that's why we're talking about it. So before we jump into it, I think it's safe to at least lay the lines of what actually is it, right? You and I are big on definitions. So let's talk about what it actually is before we talk about what it can do. Mm-hmm. And this is just a little fair warning to everybody. Before someone's telling you what something can do for you, if you don't understand what it is in the first place, you should not act on it, in yeah. my opinion. I don't mm-hmm. think you should act on it. So that's why we want to describe what it is. So I'll go in soft. I'm sure Mariana is going to come in even harder when we go in through what it is. Essentially, we'll go cliff note. I'll give you, if I was explaining this, what creatine is to like a fifth grader, maybe a little bit higher after I realize what I'm about to say. So creatine is a naturally occurring amino acid, right? It's produced by your liver and kidneys in your human beings. You produce it on your own and you can find it through dietary sources, right? One of the biggest Mm -hmm. ones being leaner and red meats, right? You eat it through your diet, right? We're not talking about the supplement. We're talking about what creatine actually is right now. This is stored as phosphocreatine in your body. Now, what I think is the most interesting thing is before people just focused on athletes performance effect, they thought it was just stored in your muscle tissue where about 95% of creatine is stored, but 5% roughly is actually stored in brain tissue, which I think is the coolest thing, right? Creatine is not just involved in your muscle tissue, heavily it is, but creatine is involved in certain reward pathways inside your brain correlated to improved recognition, memory, and even reducing mental fatigue, things like that, that people tend to forget about. And I think that's why you and I are big on why this is gonna be something that probably will be implemented in most people's lives sometime in the future, because it's not just for athletes anymore. It's a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. That's essentially my baseline description for what it is before getting into the process. Is there anything you want to add to that that I missed? Yeah. So I think just even to highlight again how our body makes creatine. So yes. that's, that's a huge component. And not too much of it comes from your diet. And this is something, this is probably one of the very few times where I'll say supplementing with creatine is definitely superior than just looking for dietary sources of it, especially when it comes to absorption, but how much is readily available in the supplement versus from food is so different. And I really want you guys to pay attention to the stored aspect. It is stored as phosphocreatine and there isn't, we don't, our body doesn't produce enough to cap out at that storage. So we still have room for more stored creatine. So that is, and I'm sure Tony will talk about that a little bit more, but especially with vitamins and minerals, when you take supplements, there is typically a known cap of, hey, you know, you're taking this much, you're just gonna pee it out, you're gonna excrete it, it's not effective. And you're probably already getting enough from your diet versus creatine. You have a lot of wiggle room in terms of how much more you can store compared to what you're just creating in your body, which is huge. I think because I've gotten that comment so many times where it's like, why don't you just get it through 
your diet. It's like, okay, let's be clear. Yes, you can get creatine and you do get creatine through your diet. You do get creatine through your diet. Mm -hmm. But on average, recommended daily doses for adults is around five grams. And now the dosages are changing, right? It's anywhere from like three to eight grams, depending on your size and what you're using it for. But on average, people recommend five grams of creatine per day. And in one pound of beef, you can expect to get about one gram of creatine. So for those people who are saying, just get it through dietary sources, you would have to be consuming five pounds of beef to get five grams, the daily recommended amount of creatine, every single day to hit that number. So is it in food? Yes. Can you get everything you need from it? When we're talking about creatine, like absolutely not. One pound, like imagine eating one pound of beef in a sitting. That'd be ridiculous. The old vegan in me can't. The old, I can't. I love, I love it. I still can't. So that's how much is in yes. Now, the role it plays in the body, and this is, again, pre-supplementation. What creatine does for you and I, pre-supplementation. And when it specifically talks about the role, I think what I want to cover real quick is a cliff note version of how it interacts with, with ATP, especially when we're in the gym. I want to go through that real quick because I think when people understand that piece, they start to get, oh, this is how yeah. it helps improve performance. So that's my favorite part. Let's break it down to a simple level. ATP is also known as adenosine triphosphate, triphosphate, right? Now creatine, like we talked about before, is stored as phosphocreatine in muscle tissue, phospho. So adenosine triphosphate, phosphocreatine is over here, right? As you contract your muscle, it uses ATP as its fuel source, right? Now in that muscle contraction, ATP breaks down into something called ADP, right? it loses a phosphate molecule, right? Adenosine triphosphate turns into adenosine diphosphate, which is no longer usable for the next contraction. Now, phosphocreatine donates its phosphate molecule to ADP quickly and readily recycling it back into usable ATP again, right? Now, I know that just went in a big circle, but essentially think of it as just lending its helping hand to what our muscle needs to contract for energy. That's all it's doing. So that's what creatine does when you, anybody, goes into the gym to lift weights, right? Especially in those first few, it's your first source of fuel during heavier resistance training. Yep. So it helps recycle ATP and ADP so you can continue to use it. Now, when you supplement with creatine, it simply increases how much creatine is stored in muscle tissue by a little bit, right? Not by a lot, mm -hmm. but it increases how much creatine is stored in the muscle. So like we were talking about as a fuel source, imagine if instead of a gas tank, for, I know we talked about this before, imagine having a gas tank for 20 gallons. That's what the normal human would have. 20 doesn't mean anything, but a 20 gallon gas tank, supplementing with it just increases the size of your gas tank, right? From 20 to let's say 25 gallons. What gas tank is gonna get you further on the road, the 25 gallons? What's gonna get you further during exercise? Is it gonna give you a few more repetitions? Is it gonna get help you improve your strength by a little margin? Yes, that's what supplementing with it does is it increases what you already have. So mm -hmm. that's what the, I think, a special role, or at least how I would describe the role, would be. Do you want to add on or do you want to take it deeper? Yeah, I think I can. I want to add on to an important layer of this is it provides energy for maximal short-term exercise, anaerobic exercise. You mm -hmm. are not using oxygen. Aerobic, you're using oxygen. So say you're a long-distance runner. This... Uh, phosphocreatine stores 
that's not going to be your your primary energy source maybe in like the first few seconds of starting but for sustained yeah. energy for performance for endurance creatine that's not where creatine works it's really for that maximum like power output very very short duration so having those two like to distinguish between those two and there's really not much evidence out there for for creatine being helpful a helpful aid in long distance like endurance activities so i feel like that's important to lay out big time yeah it's mm -hmm. it's it's what's used in the first few seconds usually under 10 seconds of higher intensity exercise the sprints the swim run sprints the cycling sprints or weight training specifically yeah. right yeah Before so think about like your one rep max how, how it could take you to the next level there or like i said like a 50 meter dash really quick fast energy not sustained exactly yeah and it's it pretty much goes like this i think the way you can think about it i know we've talked about this and this might be a little too deep is as far as what your body uses for energy as you're going through exercise we start off all with the phosphocreatine system we all start there after about 10 to 15 seconds we start we switch over to the glycolytic system or using stored glycogen, mm -hmm. stored carbohydrates as fuel. After about 45 to 60 seconds, when those fuel tanks run out, that's when we turn over to oxidative. And that's, again, yeah. aerobic. Those are things that are going to be sustained. So the phosphocreatine is just that initial booster. Think of it as like a mushroom in Mario, right? That first <laughs> little thing to give you that like big push. And then everything else kind of continues to get you through. So that's what creatine does. And that's what it does in everybody. Everybody who supplements with it or not. So all supplementing with it does is again, it just increases the size of that gas tank. Now, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, and I think we, we're gonna touch on this a few times throughout this entire podcast. We're making this seem like it is the holy grail of supplements, <laughs> which I think, and anybody in the industry would agree, it probably is the holy grail of supplements, but what holy grail means to us versus just to someone hearing this is probably very different. We just wanna very make sure, different. yes, it's incredible. It's incredible for a supplement and what what is you know what's the supplements role it just gives you a little can give you that small increase in performance i think most people look to supplements for making the change for being the thing that made them lose 40 pounds for being the thing that made them muscle man of the year that made them run a mile under six minutes that's not what supplements are right that's not what yeah. it's your training it's your nutrition it's your lifestyle those are going to get you there as far as supplements speaking, give you that extra boost. Creatine is just the best as far as what can give you that small boost. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. we should, I, I just wanted to touch on that before. <laughs> I'm like, we are making this seem like anabolic steroids yeah. to a point. And if you're not putting in the work, if you're not going to the gym, if you're not focusing on your diet, no, creatine's not going to magically make you strong and give you muscles. And you have to put in the work to see its effects. And I think that this is something that isn't, discussed enough in our industry we get so giddy about it because this mm -hmm. is so so rare to see similar results across so many groups of people and mm -hmm. you know it is effective it does work and we look at wow our bodies are so fascinating they are so cool in terms of how they can change what they can do like how much hard work can change how what your body is capable of producing and then you could go this whole other level of you know my body's done all of the work it can do something mm -hmm. else can give me the little tiny extra push to make me the best like yeah. that is so fascinating yeah but yeah work has to come from that 
Yes. That, yeah, that's why we get so excited about it. I was like, we if you match our energy, you would have think that we just discovered like the cure for cancer is what I was getting. That's why I was like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll back off a little bit. No, no, because this is so real. Yeah. This is such an, <clears throat> an issue. People don't like to believe how difficult it is to do research on dietary supplements. And of course, there are flaws. There always are going to be. You're working with human beings who are different. But the consistencies and just how much research is out there is so so rare and people don't really think about that but yeah 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 so before we get into the actual research which i wanted to cover a couple really cool studies uh on strength on what you can realistically expect i think getting into expectations would be the next logical step here to set expectations of what's actually going to change because again will it improve your lean body mass yes is over time it helpful and I think this is what kind of people misconfuse words, right? Who it's for, I think we can all agree on, who it's for is someone who wants to increase their strength, increase their lean body mass. If you want to lose body fat, it would be a supplement that you would take. It's not going to help you lose body fat, but it has the properties of helping with muscle protein breakdown. It's going to help preserve muscle as you lose weight, which is advantageous, making it helpful for fat loss. But that doesn't mean it's going to help you lose fat. I think that's something to kind of clear up. So realistic expectations, who should be taking this? Like we said, if you're an athlete, if your goal is to lose fat, would this help? Yes. If your goal is to build muscle and strength, should you take this? Yes, it would help. If you don't work out and you're just looking to help preserve muscle mass, which is massively important as you age, just from a longevity standpoint, would this help? Yes. For cognitive decline, will this help? Probably. Most people should be taking this. What can you expect out of it is, I think, where we're going with it next. Okay, so what can you expect out of it? So as you start taking creatine, the supplement, as you start supplementing, like we said, it increases how much creatine is stored in your body. So how we would dose it, and let's do a quick pause real quick. Let's do a quick pause real quick. I think what makes the most type is how to dose it, how to actually take it, what you can expect to see out of it, and then we can get in the studies. Yeah, and I also think we should talk about people like there are people that maybe shouldn't take it or and like just like a little Mm. disclaimer there and i would love to talk about the difference between men and women and the lack of studies on women with creatine. big time big time which actually now that you say that that is i haven't thought about that too much a lot of the studies on depression that i read with creatine were majority women based Mm -hmm. but the majority of performance-based studies women are highly unrepresented that's weird yeah well i'm that's a whole greater issue of men not coming out about their mental health issues. So it's harder to get them, recruit them yeah. for studies for, on mental health. This is going to be deep. Okay. <laughs> Time in. Okay. So we're going to talk about dosing, who it's for, who it's not for. Let's talk about who it's not for first. Yeah. Right. Who it's, who it's not for. Because again, not everything's black and white. Who do you think this might not be the best idea to take? Yeah. So first off, any supplement we're not doctors. We don't know you. We don't know what's going on with your body. You discuss with your, your primary care doctor and you make sure it's going to be right for you. We're just here to talk about the science and the research. Get that out of the way. But there are definitely some people that may not benefit from it. Like if you have kidney disease, there is like pregnant and breastfeeding women. Maybe it's not the best, but that actually the jury's still out on that. But of course, uh, pregnant women are a high risk group. So that's why there's very few human trials with pregnant women as a whole. And then also, I I guess you can chime in on this. If you're 
under 18, you're still growing, you're younger, you would definitely, I know there are some high school students that may use it. I think this really just comes down Mm -hmm. to that's not, that's not our decision to say or make if you're doing it with the guidance of your trainer and your coach and your doctor gives the approval. There's a whole, that's a whole different layer. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think a good caveat there is it's not that we're saying that it's dangerous for these people. It's that like the risk to reward probably just is worth it just to wait. If you're pregnant, it's not like creatine is going to be the thing that makes or breaks your health over this pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Just take it later. Same thing if you're in high school. You don't need that <laughs> tiny, tiny little boost. You just don't need it. You're like, still growing too. Like, yeah. So you don't want to in, interfere with that process. And then again, any supplement, high risk groups. So people with chronic diseases, maybe the elderly children, like those are all high risk groups. Those, so naturally that's something that you're not going to recommend any, any supplement, anything like you shouldn't recommend it to a high risk group. That's just how it works. That's not typically, that's not who they're studied on. Yeah. It's otherwise healthy individuals. Big time. Yeah, you have kidney disease previously. It's going to pass through. Don't Maybe something you don't take. Kidney yeah. and liver disease. Maybe not something you look into. But yeah, pregnant women, especially high school, like how young can you take it? Because that's huge, especially on the internet right now. Especially high school kids getting into weight training. Mm-hmm. They see all the bodybuilders. They see the Mr. Olympias. And they say, I want to look like that. What are they doing? What are they doing? Oh, they take creatine? I need to take creatine. Kind of yeah. like the swimmer's body illusion. Mm-hmm. The risk reward, it's... Is it going to do anything bad to you? Probably not. But is the small, tiny added benefit that it's going to give you worth it? No, just wait until we we know for certain. Yeah. I think that's a, a safe way to kind of call it. And then who it's for, obviously, it would make sense in people with goals ranging from gaining muscle, gaining strength, losing body fat, just protecting their muscle mass as they age if you don't train, if you don't work out. And people who are honestly even looking for the small cognition benefits over time it makes sense. It would. Mm-hmm. It could help with all of those. So who it's for, who it's not for, I think that's a solid, solid way to yeah. look at it. And I also then think another disclaimer and something to think about, and this is a common question women have. There's so many myths around females taking it, which we'll get into later, but a lot of the studies in terms of performance-based outcomes with creatine, a lot of them are done on men. The majority are done on men why women are so underrepresented in a lot of these studies just in the health and fitness world as a whole is a greater issue but that's also something to consider and then it's also important to consider that your intramuscular creatine concentrations some people may have higher levels and females may have higher levels of intramuscular creatine and that's possibly due to lower skeletal muscle mass so you may not see as much of an effect because you already have higher levels than say a man who has lower levels like it there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things to consider because it's really hard to test in these studies what your intramuscular creatine concentrations were too stark because that's a very invasive Mm -hmm. process but you can't look at someone and say oh well they saw results in like two months or something. And I, I don't really feel like I noticed anything. Well, maybe your levels were higher to start with. Maybe this person mm-hmm. is a vegan or vegetarian and gets absolutely none in their diet. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to consider there, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because that Big is time. definitely important. Big time. Yeah. Just like everything else we talk in the podcast, everyone's different. Not everyone's going to respond to something the exact same way. Nothing. Training, new diet, supplements, anything. Very yeah. good note. 
what you can expect when you actually start to take this. And we'll talk about the dosing, how you'd actually take it before we get into the actual studies, which I think is, is important. So how you would actually take it, right? There's multiple forms of creatine, right? Multiple forms. There's creatine monohydrate, which was what most of these studies are actually using. There's micronized creatine. There's creatine HCL, right? Which is creatine bound with hydrochloric acid. There's creatine ethyl ester, right? There's a lot of different kinds. Creatine monohydrate, all you need. It's the cheapest, which honestly, over the last year, since it's become such a craze, has increased in price quite a bit, but it is the cheapest. It's what's been used in all the research. And any other form of creatine, HCL, micronized, when lined up in study, provides no extra benefit. So it's a little more expensive because of the filtering process, but it provides no extra benefit. It's not safer to take. Monohydrate is the clear winner. It's what you want to go with. Would you agree with that? Yep. Yeah. And I think that's Perfect. also just so important to disclaim because there are different forms of so many other supplements. So it's just something to think about how, you know, there's a lot of different forms found. Yeah. So you don't need to waste your money just because it says it, a bottle says it might have some extra effects. Yeah. And on that touch, yeah, we can even touch on that just with the supplement industry, with how unregulated it is since that health and supplement education act back in the nineties, realize supplement companies can put whatever they want on the bottle as far as claims. So just because they're saying, oh, you shouldn't take creatine monohydrate by our HCL product because it's going to make you faster. It's going to make you less bloated. It's going to what? None of those claims have to be true, right? Or yeah. proven in any manner. Just realize it's extremely unregulated. So just because they're selling you on it does not mean it's true. Trust us here. The hundreds of studies with creatine monohydrate, this is where we're gathering all these incredible information. And it still has not been beaten when you compare it to any other form. Yeah, and I think it would be just a funny side note, if you do have creatine or you already have it, you know it, like go look at the bottle, go look at the claims on the label, what it says, because it's probably much more drastic than what we're saying here. And that's just something to keep in mind because although we're all giddy about it, our, our claims are not, you know, this cause and effect and these crazy miraculous things that sound too good to be true, which you might see on the bottle because that's just mm -hmm. how marketing works, so. Okay. So here's how you would dose creatine. Like we just said, creatine monohydrate is all you need to worry about. Is creatine, is micronized creatine, HCL, are those bad for you? If you bought the supplement, if it's in your house, if you have a hundred servings, take it. It's not going to give you worse effects. It's just not going to give you a better effect. So creatine monohydrate, you would dose it like this. As little as three grams per day is where you notice an increased saturation in muscle tissue. Is if you take three grams per day all the way up to, and I know most people, it's, it's slowly evolving. The old recommendation was just take five grams a day. Everybody, male, female, no matter your weight, your size, your performance, take five grams a day. As it expands, and this just makes more sense, the larger individuals tend to need a little bit more to get the same effect. So anywhere from three to eight grams is now the recommended daily dose. Is it an exact science? No. If you wanna just take five and not overthink it, you're gonna get all the effects that we're gonna talk about. If you're a larger human, what I, larger human, what I've been pretty much recommending is if you're over 200 pounds, taking up to eight grams is probably going to help you a little bit more. If you're closer to the 100, 120, 150, you could take as little as three. But if you want to call it, say, five grams per day is what the daily amount would be, right? Five grams per day. This is every single day, taken every single day, including your rest days, without need to cycle or load. I think that's the biggest thing, without need to cycle or load. And it, the timing of day does not matter. Mm -hmm. The timing of day does not matter. You can take it with whatever you want, 
before you work out, after you work out, before you go to bed, right when you wake up. What matters is that you take it every single day. That's how you saturate your muscle. Now, I do want to cover the highlight of loading and cycling, which is old school mentality. Do you have anything to Mm -hmm. add before I jump into that on the dosing? No. Mm -hmm. Perfect. All right. So what loading and cycling is, loading, or what you've heard of before, is it takes about three to four weeks of taking creatine five grams per day to fully saturate your muscle tissue. If you load creatine, meaning on the first four to seven days, take a much higher dose, upwards of 20 grams per day, you can saturate your muscle tissue as little as a week, right? So if you want to fully saturate your muscle, you can load creatine in the first four to seven days. That is typically though, when I've noticed anecdotally with my clients, with myself, that's typically when you see the side effects like bloating, like cramping, like excess, just peeing all the time is during those loading phases. Just know you don't need one. Creatine is one of those supplements that you should be planning on taking every day for the foreseeable future, not a short period of time. So if that's your game plan, I don't see a need to load just because you're going to get there a few, two weeks after you normally would, right? Cycling is a very old school mentality where people used to treat it like a steroid. I think this is where people say, oh, you know, I think my mom even told me this, creatine is a steroid, right? Absolutely not. But it was treated like one previous when we didn't have as much information about it. Cycling creatine essentially is when people used to, not anymore, do four, six, eight weeks on of taking the supplement, followed by two to four weeks of not taking the supplement. This is a style that was previously more used for like anabolic steroids, right? If you're injecting testosterone and you want to fully recover and not have any negative long-term effects, you would typically take the steroid for 30, 60, 90, 120 days at a time before taking a cycle phase where you don't take it, allowing your body Mm -hmm. to bounce back, recover, and start performing like normal, right? So you don't become dependent on it. That's what you do with anabolic steroids, things that are suppressing your body's natural function of making hormones. Creatine does not do that. If you stop taking creatine, the only thing that's gonna happen is over the next following weeks, your muscles are gonna become less saturated. Your performance might come down a little bit, right? Just like that little bit it came up, but nothing else is gonna happen. You don't go into a negative rebound phase like you would with steroids, right? That's the loading and cycling phase. You don't need it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I wanna talk about, I like that you mentioned the cramping and bloating and brought that up because it is a common concern, especially with women that Mm -hmm. you're gonna be bloated, you might gain weight, it's gonna make you crampy. Something that's important to know about creatine and that can ease that distress is that it's an osmotically active substance. So an increase in the body's creatine content could theoretically result in increased water retention in the short term. This has been Mm. shown to not be the case in a variety of long-term studies. So intracellular water is an important signal for protein synthesis and thus drives an increase in muscle mass over time. So that very, if it does happen to you, which it, it doesn't typically happen, but if it did, that's a, maybe just a dis, some discomfort temporarily. And typically mm-hmm. it takes like seven, I think, I think it's like seven to nine days for it to subside. Yeah. It's, it's really temporary, but it's also very not short common term. for the majority of people. So just, yeah, big time. And we'll talk more about that when we get into the questions and myths, but that is a very important note. If you are worried about the bloating from creatine, just don't load it. If you don't go through a loading phase, odds are you are not going to see any of that. And if you do want to load it because you want to saturate it just a few days and weeks before, it would if you just took it consistently every day, just know it's going to go away in a week or two, right? It's going to go away in a week or two, that minor discomfort. Now, 
I think as far as dosing, that answers most questions, right? Before we get into the myths, the other questions that go along with it, you take five grams every single day. Timing of day does not matter. You do not load. You do not cycle. Period. The end, right? Like <laughs> that's pretty much all the all that goes into it. If you miss a day, you don't double up the next day. Just take it every day, like a so multivitamin. I have a question, Tony. Yeah. Does this mean that I have to take it forever? Yeah. No, no, you don't have to. It's like a multivitamin, right? You, you can take it if you miss a day. You miss a day. You, do you have to take it forever? No, without fear of coming off. Just like the cycling issue, there's no need to cycle it because nothing bad happens if you stop taking it. Yes. So if this is something that you want to try for the next couple months, give it three to six months consistently. If you like or notice the effects, keep taking it. If you're like, you know what? This is just another supplement that I have to spend 20 bucks on every couple months or it's just something I can't continue to remember to do in the morning when I wake up. You don't have to take it, right? Nothing negative. You're not going to have that rebound effect. Yeah. You're not going to have that rebound effect. So very good question. Um, and to be fair there, you do have to take it consistently to notice an effect. I notice a lot of people can't remember to take it every single day. So they'll take it three or four days and then not take it for three or four and be like, it didn't do anything for me. It's like, well, that's because you're not taking it correctly. Yeah. That's why I always recommend to when dosing it, it usually makes sense to take it with something that is more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like more of a trigger-based, yeah. Something that's more of like a trigger-based cue instead of like a reminder, right? What's something you do every day if you have a protein shake every morning for breakfast? Take it then. Yeah. You don't have to remember, oh, is it going to absorb slightly better if I take it right after my workout? Okay, all right, what if you miss a workout? What if you don't work out seven days a week? All mm -hmm. these things can come up. Take it with something that you do every day. Put it next to your toothbrush, right? It's not going to affect the absorption rate. Just take it every day, right? What you can expect to see, let's set realistic expectations. What you can expect to see from supplementing with creatine, right? In the few weeks as you get saturated, right? You will start to notice that you might be able to get an extra one, two, or three repetitions while you are weight training on each movement, right? You might notice the weight that you used to move if you could bench press 135 for 10 reps, you might be able to get 11 or 12 now, right? Just because of that creatine. Same thing with your sprint time you might notice you can go a few extra seconds before coming to complete exhaustion. You might be able to increase your speed by a small five, 10% after taking it, right? Mainly coming down to your training though, especially weight training, you might be able to extend your sessions a little bit longer. You might be able to train with heavier weights later in the, uh, later in the workout or training session than you used to. You're gonna start noticing those small improvements over time. Now, a big thing is talking about body composition, what you can realistically expect, right? Because I say this all the time. If you are, if you have the goal of fat loss, creatine would help get you to your goal. By that, I do not mean that taking creatine will help you lose fat. You have to realize why and what it's doing. Creatine has also been shown in study numerous, numerous times to have a very anti-catabolic effect, right? It doesn't break, it helps your body hold on to muscle tissue, right? It helps your body hold on to muscle tissue, which during a fat loss phase is very important. So that's why it makes sense to take it during a fat loss phase. It's not going to help you lose fat, but it's going to help you hold on to lean body mass like muscle, which is very, very, very important from a metabolic standpoint during fat loss. That, and it's also gonna increase your training potential a little bit. So if you're training harder, is that gonna help your goal towards fat loss? Yes. If you're able to train a little bit harder over time, that compounds. So I think that's a realistic expectation to expect. If you take creatine from now for 30 days, 
you're not going to notice that you now have a six pack when you used to not be able to see your abs, but you will notice an increase in strength. You will notice a slight increase in endurance, and you might notice a small increase in lean body mass due to just water retention through that. And I think that's the next point I wanted to cover. In study, you can look at this, and this is even on, I think there's over 20 studies done on this. Does it increase lean body mass like muscle? Asterisk, yes. Increases lean body mass. Does it build more muscle tissue? No. You have to realize just like carbohydrates, stored glycogen is stored with, I think it's one gram of glycogen needs to be stored with three to four grams of water. It needs that to be stored. So that's usually why people notice an increase in scale weight when they jump their carbs. If they're eating less than 100 a day to 200, they're going to gain a few pounds of water retention just because of the extra water needed to store the glycogen. Same thing with creatine. When it's stored intramuscular, it needs water to be stored right in your muscle tissue. So does it increase slightly the size of muscle mass? Yes. I think people, when they start taking this, at least I've gotten this in my comments a hundred times, people expect to see the visible change. Like, holy crap, I'm a lot bigger because I started taking creatine. No. no, it's going to slightly increase how much water is retained inside your muscle, which is a good thing, right? It helps you get a leaner, more defined look. You want lean body mass. It's a good thing to have more of, right? It's not going to bulk you up. Like people no. think it's going to happen when you start lifting heavy weights. It's not going to do that. So realistic expectations. It's something that the progress compounds more over time, right? You notice more from creatine the longer you use it. It's not something that, that gives immediate results. And it's not going to completely change your game. Realize that. It's not, as excited as we are, it's not going to change your game. But it will <laughs> it, make yeah, a notable difference. About in the sense that it amplifies the effects of resistance training slightly. Enough to yeah. make a difference in terms of strength, hypertrophy, power, daily living. So it is that <clears throat> it can make it slightly better, which you will see improvements over time if you are properly and consistently resistance, resistance training and paying attention to diet. So you would see results yeah. over time and then you take this and it's, it's going to, I really think you hear a lot and I'm not sure if you hear this from your clients ever. Tony, but people feel it. And that, that is huge when, when you can feel those small changes in the gym mm -hmm. and when people switch their kind of mindset in terms of how they're tracking their progress of, wow, like I, I do feel stronger versus like, yeah, yeah I have a six pack now or something like that, which is just, yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Entering into it, people expect changes on the scale or visually right off the bat. But I think we've talked about this. Nothing builds your confidence in doing what you're doing than feeling that increase in physical capability. Mm -hmm. Like, holy crap, that weight a month ago was impossible and I just did it and felt under control. Yeah. That's going to make you feel better than five pounds less on the scale, than noticing something in the mirror. Feeling that capability that your body now has makes a difference. I yeah. think in, in great, that's a huge point. That's a great And regardless point. of whether you were taking creatine or not, but that is the, it can have the slightest bit of a difference to make you feel yeah. that even more. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So let's now dive deep and let's actually do this. I'm going to cut this back real quick as a clip for social. Here's what happens when you stop taking creatine, just like it took three to four weeks to fully saturate your muscle tissue with creatine. So you start noticing those extra benefits, right? being able to grab an extra one or two reps while you're working out, increasing your sprint time by just a fraction, right? Just like you took a few weeks to start noticing that small but notable increase, 
after a few weeks, when you immediately stop taking it, nothing's going to happen. Your muscle tissue is still saturated. But over the coming weeks, you're going to lose saturation back down to your starting level, not below, but to your starting level. And you might start noticing, just like you noticed a small increase in strength, you'll notice weights might become a little bit more challenging. That last one or two reps might become a little bit more challenging at the weight you're used to. Are you going to lose any of the progress that you made while taking creatine? No. If you gained 10 pounds of lean body mass over a year and you were taking creatine, you're not going to lose any of that. You're going to keep everything you gained. If you lost 10 pounds of fat, you're not going to magically gain fat back because you stopped taking it. The saturation is going to return back to normal. You're going to lose that extra one or two repetitions of strength and you go on with your day. I think that's important to note when you stop taking it. Now it's time to dive into some studies. This is what I want. Uh, I think the first one I want to go over, and I think this is the first one that at least caught my eye, so I'm hoping it caught some people listening to this eye, is its role in depression and the more and more research going on with that. I think it's something to touch on. I don't think this is something that you can say, oh, if you suffer from depression, go take this, this will fix it. No, that's not what we're saying at all. But it's really freaking interesting to start noticing a notable effect on this. Now, the one study I pulled up, it was a little bit smaller, right? It was done with 52 women right, with major depressive disorders, an eight-week double-blind placebo-randomized controlled clinical trial. Those are my favorite. The gold standard, uh, and it was the holy grail. <laughs> the holy grail, the gold standard, right? Those are the most controlled. Now, it was done at University College of Medicine in South Korea. Now, what they noticed, I think this is, again, any consistent and notable effect, I think is something cool. I think it's something to get excited about. Now, yeah. over that eight-week trial, they had individuals take five grams of creatine per day with their SSRI or just a an SSRI by itself. And what they used to measure progress was something called the HAMD scale to measure subjective progress. I can link that in the show notes below if you're interested. But this study came out at the end suggesting that creatine augmentation of SSRI treatment may be a promising and therapeutic approach that exhibits a more rapid and efficacious response to SSRI, which I thought was kind of cool where lining this up, it didn't replace the SSRI, but mm-hmm. SSRIs typically take a little bit longer to round out time. Having creatine in your system, in this study at least, was shown to speed up the effects, right? To notice these things quicker, which if you're suffering from depression, I can imagine helps quite a bit. So I think that is one of many cool studies now being done showing that this might have a very important role in mental health outside of just the athletic performance that we've been talking about this whole time. That was one of the coolest ones I've found. Yeah, I agree. And I think these these mental health studies, especially, these people are still doing the work to get their mental health at a place where they can live and function. They're taking the SSRIs. And I just think it's so fascinating how, you know, it's nothing in isolation. Just like with working out, you're still working out, you're still putting in the work it may have this slightest bit of a difference and to make your quality of life better or to make your performance better. So it's not an all or nothing concept, but when you're talking about your mental health, the tiniest changes in terms of your ability to function on a day-to-day basis, you can have the slightest bit of a change and that changes your life. So it's the potential of these studies and it's promising that this is enough data to move forward. Let's have larger studies. Yeah. Let's expand into, you know, people who aren't taking SSRIs. Like let's, 
And, and that's what research does. And that's why it is incredible because the, the basis of this, and it just started out as a theory. And now we have, have some data to continue to understand this and see how we can make people's lives better. What doesn't it do? What doesn't it do? No, that's why it's exciting. And it's, it's more, again, a study with 52 people, you can't say anything, for, you can't draw any conclusions from that. But it does give you enough to keep pushing in that direction, saying, hey, there might be something here. There you can might draw conclusions here. in terms of, you know, what the potential this has to say, conclusions for future research, because it is such a small population, but you still have yeah. enough people. You need at least 30 people to make a statistically significant analysis to draw these conclusions inform future research. So yes, it's a small study, but it's enough to say these findings were significant. We need to recruit more people for this. We're going to get more funding for this because of this, this data. This is so promising. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm a big fan of just mental health research in general, because if we look at human beings, our knowledge of mental health is in its very infant stages. Like, we don't know anything, relatively speaking, about it. Like, 200 years ago, they were poking people's brains. Like, it was like we did not know about this stuff that long ago. This is, this is a newer kind of field, so it's really interesting to see growth in any area or promise in any area. That's why I got so freaking excited, because this might not be like, oh, we might not find out because of this that creatine, you know, is something that we should be taking for mental health, but it might lead us to a path that helps us discover another function or yeah. another anecdote that really kind of helps us out, which I think is yeah. super, super interesting. So I wanted to start there. Uh, and there's a few studies done that we can also, we'll just link a lot of studies. And uh, now let's talk about the cool stuff in performance, right? The cool stuff in performance that we were just talking about. That I think a lot of people listening, that's why they would have added this into their protocol previously, right? Now, there's a lot of individual one-off studies done. And again, you can find all these on examine.com, which is really, really cool. Uh, I pulled one from Bloomsburg University, right? This was a review of 22 different studies, right? Showing a range of effect. These were all done on younger individuals, right? Looking at strength and endurance. And the, the effects were noticeable, right? The effects were noticeable in control groups taking no creatine supplement versus the creatine supplemented group. Across the board in strength, performance increased quite a bit, right? On one, three, and 10 repetition maxes on all compound movements, the control group noticed an 8% fewer increase in overall strength over a period of uh, different studies, right? From a 12% increase in strength to a 20% in the creatine. Maxed repetition, max repetitions performed was 14% greater than the control group, right? From 12% increase over the course of the study in the control group to 26% in the creatine-only group. Right, bench press one rep max increased between three and forty-five percent over the control group. Not saying you'd be on either end of the spectrum, but in the study uh, that they reviewed, between three and forty-five percent, and bench press performance, bench press performance increased range between sixteen and forty-three percent over the control group as well. So in every single study done on strength here, you were noticing double-digit increases in strength over the period of these studies, which ranged anywhere from four to uh, four to 12 weeks, which again is more short term. But mm -hmm. in that short amount of time, that's a pretty big difference. Yeah. And there are, I, I'm glad you brought that up because the long-term studies on creatine are much more scarce and are still like being conducted as we speak. But that's something to consider too, because 
longer term studies are definitely needed, but it has still been established that it is safe to take for these populations of people who aren't at risk. So, but that is important to know. Big time, big time. And I think in two other places I want to go to, it's effect on body composition specifically, and it's therapeutic role, right? We're talking about how, you know, we can't just not live up to this hype. We're talking about how this could be more beneficial and better implemented than a multivitamin to any human being, regardless of athlete or not, as Mm -hmm. you age. There's even more and more ongoing research in the therapeutic role in aging adults, which I think is really, really cool, showing it increases functionality, strength, and daily activities, delaying fatigue, and saving onto muscle mass in older adults as you age, right? I've been trying to sell my mom on creatine for I cannot... (laughs) Tell you how long, but I keep sending her research. I'm gonna get her to take it. She turns 60 next year. I'm gonna. That's my goal, is to get her to take creatine. Uh, but again, functionality, notable improvements in all across the board in aging adults. Now, the effect it has on body composition, right? Meaning, when we look at studies over time, if this is a controlled weight loss study, and they have a creatine group versus a control group, who sees greater weight loss, fat loss, and fat-free mass? changes. Same thing when we're looking at muscle gain studies, is there a difference in control group or creatine loading groups? Final piece of research that we want to pull up here is effect on body composition and performance. Now body composition more specifically, uh, this was posted in the Human Kinetics Journal. Uh, They noticed that over review consistently lined up in body composition changes, especially over weight loss. So what I mean by that is when we talk about body composition change, over late loss. We've talked about this numerous times on the show. There's a big difference between losing weight and losing fat, right? So it's important as you're measuring through these studies, you're not just measuring scale weight differences when you're going through different trials. For example, if we have two groups set to a weight loss diet, one's taking creatine, one is not, you don't want to just look at their body weight. You want to look at their body composition change as well in their lean Mm -hmm. body mass, in their body fat. Because when we talk to our clients, first call every single time, most people say they want to lose weight, but they don't. They just want to look better. They want to have improved composition, right? They want to be leaner. They want to have a little more muscle mass, a little less body fat. They don't really care what the scale says. They care about how they look and how they feel, right? And what they notice is consistently, and there's not as much research in this area yet, but consistently in the research done is that during weight loss trials, the creatine-only groups held on to significantly more lean body mass in the process, along with losing a little bit more body fat. That's what kind of caught my eye because you knew they would hold on to a little bit more muscle. You could guess that they would hold on to a little bit more muscle. But I think the improved performance and helping hold on to a little bit of extra lean body mass may have resulted in a larger calorie out, which helped them lose a little bit more fat during the study as well. Same thing in lean body mass or building trials, right, is you consistently notice that the group taking creatine builds significantly more muscle tissue over the course of the trial than those who don't if dietary guidelines are strictly the same, yeah. right? So body composition-wise, fat loss, muscle gain, this is something that over time can can help, can help. Mm-hmm. So that's the last piece that I wanted to jump into a little bit. Before we get into probably the favorite section is the questions that people have about creatine, the myths that surround creatine. I'm gonna let you roll in on this one. Where do we wanna start? Because we got, it's bad for your kidneys, it causes hair loss, it causes bloat, it causes weight gain. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? We got we got anywhere to start. I think we can definitely I think we can definitely start with the hair loss because I feel like that's a very common question people 
have. And it's also one of the biggest misconceptions. I'd say that in, in the weight gain that was has purely come about due to misinterpretation of studies. Yeah. And yeah, so I guess we could talk about hair loss. Okay, and I'll tackle hair loss and then we could go into, I want you to talk about kidney function. Mm-hmm. Because that's the next biggest thing is people say it's bad for your kidneys, right? It's bad yeah. for your kidneys, which once we break it down logically, it'll make sense why it's not. But hair loss, this one gets me because for some reason, whenever I post about this topic of creatine, everyone and their mom is the first to race and to say, it'll cause you to lose your hair. It'll cause you to go bald. Here's this one study that proves that. I think this is the funny, funniest thing I think when people quote unquote interpret data, right, is that they just misuse their words, right? To prove something doesn't just mean one study with 14 people in it. You can't prove anything. So this is where the hair loss comes from, right? There's really zero data to support, right? So there was one, and this is where myths start, (laughs) is usually off of one small trial, right? There was one randomized control trial over the course of three weeks in 20 college-aged rugby players, right? 20 college-aged rugby players over the course of three weeks, that's the big thing I want to stick out. That's it. There was no follow-up. There's nothing after this. It was the course of three weeks as they were loading creatine, right? Loading is in taking 20 grams of creatine per day for the first seven days and then five grams a day for the following 14 days of the study. What they noticed is that androgens that generally led to hair loss, right? Not just DHT, but androgens in general had a very significant increase over baseline, right? And DHT for those... Uh, Unfamiliar is a metabolite of testosterone usually linked to what causes male pattern baldness as you age. So people see this study, they say, okay, crap, in three weeks taking creatine significantly increased the thing that makes people go bald, right? That's how they saw it. They increased the thing that makes people go bald, right? Which obviously is something to bat your eyes at. Here's the problem. It's never been replicated once. Has not been replicated. There has been 13 other studies measuring for these androgens that notice little to no effect, or at least no notable effect at all across 13 other studies. Meaning when you're looking, when you're measuring DHT, when you're measuring testosterone, nothing changes when you start taking creatine versus when you stop, or if if you're not, right? So I think that's the biggest thing. And when you look at literature as a whole, you can't cherry pick your data like this to support your cause, right? In this case, if less than, what is that, about seven or 8% of research points in one direction, and over 90% points in the other direction, and there's these are trials done over the course of months, not just weeks, you can safely assume in one direction, right? So that's where the myth typically comes from. I think what people kind of do this is men that are genetically predepositioned to hair loss, if you're gonna lose your hair, you're gonna lose your hair. That's just something that we kind of know by now. So if you take creatine and you were gonna lose your hair anyways, you're still going to lose your hair. You would have lost it without creatine too. So I think people see that. A lot of men who are affected by male pattern baldness will see it and they'll be like, how could this happen to me? It must be X, Y, Z. They want to find something to blame. They'll blame creatine. But they won't just say, oh, you know what? Maybe my dad and his four uncles are all bald. I was probably going to go bald anyways. I think that's a big place where the hair loss myth comes from and why it's not something to worry about. And I know even Legion right now, I don't know if you knew this, they're actually funding a an ongoing trial to deeper interpret long-term results of hair loss in creatine to continue to prove it, which I think is super cool. So it hasn't been published yet, but it's ongoing research right now. Now here's a big one too. Men care about hair loss the most. I think they're the most insecure about it. Yeah. You know, I think if you're bald, you just, you do it. But women also, that scares the crap out of women, right? It's nothing to worry about here. 
But when it comes to actual safety, is this going to harm me? The number one myth I hear is it's bad for your kidneys. It causes kidney damage. Mm -hmm. Shed some light on that. Yeah. So this, a lot of these assumptions can be rooted in very sound theories based off of how our bodies work. So high creatinine, creatinine levels in your urine are a sign of kidney dysfunction because there's filtered out in the blood. And if they're in extremely high amounts, that means your kidney's not filtering it properly. So if you're not supplementing with creatine and your creatinine levels are high, they're high because of an internal cause. And yeah, you may have some issues with your kidneys. That's a possible explanation. So that has one, nothing to do with supplementation, very different. However, of course that could pose some concerns if that gets slightly skewed or slightly misinterpreted. But creatinine is also a byproduct of digesting creatine. So if you are, say, you know, you you excrete some more in your urine because you're supplementing with it, that doesn't mean that you have kidney disease. Probably the first question your doctor would ask you is, oh, are you supplementing with creatine? Mm. Yeah, okay, cool. Are there any other signs that my kidney may be functioning poorly, which there would be, but if you know that it, if you saw this change and the only change you made was taking creatine, that's a very sound explanation. Of course, I am not your doctor, something they would figure out with you, but it's it's very like I understand why people would draw that conclusion however yeah. that is not because of the creatine it's just you may be excreting a little bit more because you've kind of stored you've maxed out on your stores or you know that's it's very common when you're supplementing yeah so when you see smoke you think fire yeah right yeah. that's usually what people do when you see yeah. smoke you see fire and you, you said it perfectly when you aren't supplementing and you have high creatine or creatinine levels, I always screw up when I talk about the two words, creatinine levels, something could be going wrong with how your kidneys are filtering it out. Mm-hmm. That's an internal issue. Yeah. But if you're not and you start supplementing with creatine and it increases creatinine levels, that's an external cause. So it's yeah. an internal versus external cause. Just because you see smoke doesn't automatically mean fire, right? Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And there's been over 13 different studies, all 100% in unison, showing that it does not impact overall kidney function at all yeah not at all in healthy individuals if you already have a poorly functioning, poorly functioning kidney. kidney ask your doctor first or right? just don't ask take it first. like or they'll just, probably yeah, say again. just don't take it like it, it just that is where it becomes like that's very easy to fear monger because it is a, th- a sound theory because that's how the body works and that is correct but then you just all of a sudden slightly tweak it to say that this is because of the creatine supplementation it's like no but because that was a sound theory again theory informs research so that's why there's over 13 studies to address this because wow that mechanism actually makes sense is this making it worse or is this an issue does this make it does this mean our kidneys aren't functioning properly mm-hmm. no it's just a byproduct and you're just excreting it and it has no nothing to do with the fact that your, your kidneys aren't functioning anymore because you took creatine yes so. perfect Okay, mm-hmm. so those are the two, I think, well, those are the two biggest by far. Those are the two biggest by far. Now, yeah. others range from, I think another big one is it's going to cause you to bloat. Right? It's going to cause you to bloat, yeah, which, which we kind of covered that a little bit. If you're afraid of bloating, just don't go through the loading phase, which I still don't even recommend, even if you're not afraid of bloating. 
that's typically when you would notice and it would go away shortly after. This is something I think noticed a lot like decades ago when creatine first started coming out as a supplement and just was not made very well. It did cause some bloating, some extra water retention outside of your muscle. That's not an issue anymore. Yeah. We've got our process down. It only causes water retention intramuscular, which is what you want. Now, another big question, do you need to drink more water when you take it? Are you going to become dehydrated? Is that a risk? What's your answer there? Well, I, I'd say your, your risk slightly increases. And your, if you're working out, if you're strength training, if you're doing what you should be doing to see the effects of creatine, you're already at a greater risk for dehydration because you mm -hmm. are working out more. And if you're not properly hydrating after that, during that, on your recovery days, then yeah, maybe creatine could have the slight, again, it's the slight added effects of making that dehydration a little bit worse. But if you are properly hydrating, you're focusing on your water intake, you understand that you're training harder, so your needs are going to be a little bit higher, you're going to be okay. But just like anything, like dehydration is a huge risk of exercise. So it's, it's really yeah. hard to say like, the creatine caused the dehydration when you're doing so no, many yeah. other things that put you at risk for dehydration. Yeah. Well, and here's my thing. It's like, you should just always drink a good amount of water, right? Like if you're drinking a good amount of water and you start taking creatine, you don't have to drink more. Yeah. Just keep drinking a good amount of water. If you're thirsty, drink. It's yeah. those who it's like when they come in, they're like, you know, it's like, okay, how many, how many glasses of water would you say you're drinking per day? You're getting at least eight, which I think is bare, bare, bare minimum. Like, you know, I have a coffee in the morning and then like a juice at lunch and then like a pre-workout. But I don't think I had any water. It's like, what are you, what the, what are you talking about? Yeah. Just get a, it, that's creating a rut. Just to be healthy, <laughs> just drink more water. Right? Yeah. That's usually it. And again, this has only been proven in the case of severe body water loss. So if you are exercising to the point where you are losing a significant amount of water through sweat, then yes, creatine can have <clears throat> the added risk of, wow, you're going to suffer from dehydration, some like electrolyte imbalance. But the main, the root cause of this is the body water loss and lack of proper rehydration. So, mm -hmm. yeah. but if you it, are a person that knows you tend to sweat a lot more and you don't monitor your water intake as much, and you know, it's something that you struggle with, like pay extra close attention to it. hundred percent. Yeah. If you're at risk for dehydration, regardless you're going to be there with or without creatine supplementation. <laughs> yeah. It might, again, the, the effect might be this small, but it's just drink more water. It's the thing. Uh, I think a, the last big one that we kind of already answered uh, that we got a lot in the Q&A before is, is it just water weight? Is the muscle you gain, is the progress you make, is it just water weight? We already kind of answered this one a little bit before. Absolutely not. If you gain two to five pounds, depending on how large of an individual you are, off of water retention, the progress that you see in the coming weeks, months, is 100% not just water weight, right? I've, I've seen mm -hmm. too many videos. It's like, oh, here's me explaining. I'm buff. I'm explaining creatine. It's essentially just water weight. It'll make you look better. It's like, no. We just explained through detail how massively, I don't even know how to say that, how freaking crazy this supplement actually is. The, the effect effects it can of it yeah. in terms of like, does water weight help you push more weight? No. Like you wouldn't see the performance effects yeah. of it if it was just water and not muscle you 100%. know you you wouldn't see the performance benefits if it was just water that's yeah. not how it works so that's a myth that i think we i want to touch on just because we got a lot in the q a i think maybe the last one too is i see a lot of and you i think should be the one that answers this one i get this question more often than not it's more from women and it's girls saying well can i take it or is it just a guy's supplement yeah 
Oh yeah, I see that a lot too. But of, of course you could take it. And I briefly touched on the fact that there isn't as much research from a performance mm-hmm. standpoint for women, but a lot of that does have to do with because women on average tend to have <clears throat> more phosphocreatine stores. So you may not see the effects as much the effects in a study may not be significant because they mm-hmm. have a higher level and this is something that is is really difficult because like i said getting the baseline intramuscular phosphocreatine stores is extremely invasive you have to do a muscle biopsy and it's really hard to get it at baseline so that's something that's really important to consider is starting points can vary a lot and that's why with women you may not see significant results because you may start higher at baseline but it doesn't mean it doesn't they don't see the performance effects of it so yeah that's definitely definitely something to consider and females you know there's these there's there's just an even greater fear of gaining weight and big time it's so much of these have been generated by media and data taken from case studies. So a lot of these case studies with N equals one, which means the sample size is one. It's one person. This happened to one person. If one person gained weight and tells their story, mm-hmm. that, that's a case study. So that cannot be extrapolated into any population you can't draw any conclusions from that but the fact that your store your stores are higher may help explain some research showing diminished responsiveness or and or performance effects on females but that that doesn't mean that you can't have those effects it just you may not see it as fast or you may not see as much of a difference compared to men so yeah yeah it's if it's something that essentially if we break it down it's something that helps you perform better recover better it will help you get to whatever goal your goal is. So if you're a female and you would be a responder, if your goal is to look leaner and more defined, it will help you get there quicker. If you're a man who wants to build significant mass, it will help you get to your goal. Whatever your goal is, it can help get you there a little bit quicker. Yeah. Fat loss, leaning out, building more muscle. It's not something that's just associated with muscle, 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 bulk, bulk, bulk anymore. Yeah. So that's a big piece too. And there's the majority of the research that is significant for women over the past decade has been in postmenopausal women demonstrating that creatine Mm -hmm. supplementation during a resistance training program can improve muscle mass, upper and lower body strength and tasks of functionality. So that is huge. So I just, it's, it's really important to consider. And again, those differences in age can make a difference in terms of the effects yeah. big time and this is just again it's, it's we're, we're talking about this on a whole this is the longest episode yet <laughs> we're making this seem up here's what we kind of say too is it, there's no real harm in testing it out too because yeah, no. i think anywhere and i know these numbers i have to i might be misquoting these numbers but a certain percentage of male or female people who take it are creatine non-responders usually due to just having higher levels to start with but there's a certain percentage i think it's around 15 to 20 percent of people who take it and just are non-responders. They don't respond yeah. to supplementation. You're not going to know. Just There's no harm in, there's nothing bad going to happen if you try it for two, three months. See if it helped you with whatever you're trying to accomplish. If the answer is no, you don't have to keep taking it. Nothing bad's going to happen when you stop. There's no risk. There's no danger really involved unless you're in the previously mentioned group. So I think that's a good place to look at it is if you try it out, notice the effect for yourself and go from there. For yeah. sure. And last, okay, last point on the women and gaining weight. 
because this one's serious, because a lot of girls do this. They'll take it. They'll gain three to five pounds from water retention, intramuscular. Their physique, if they took progress photos, would have improved, right? Because it's more lean body mass usually results in a leaner body composition. Weight doesn't equal fat. You have to remember that. And I know, and this really does suck because a lot of women are taught and it's just ingrained to focus on the number on the scale, mm -hmm. which is getting, I think, better over time, but it's still there to be focused to where people work so hard to get that number as low as they can. So anything in the opposite direction, if it took two, three months to get that number on the scale down one, two or three pounds and it jumps in the matter of two to three weeks, sirens are going to go off in your head and say, yeah. do not do this again. It's important to realize is your goal to get that number as low as it can or is your goal to improve your body composition and feel to improve better. your overall ability Stronger. to feel better and that's the thing you'll look better too most people will look more of how they want while taking it regardless of the scale so you have to have to get over that and i know that can be a huge check yeah. for most people and i think it's just this is more of a personal side note but it it really is that that scale like absolutely as a female it it's so it means so little especially when you consider your cycle and mm -hmm. your height i people ask me all the time oh how much do you weigh i'm like oh my god i don't think i've weighed myself in like years just because you know i, I know i'm a bit more predisposed to having these ideas that oh my god you know i'm yeah. six feet tall I'm going to weigh more than the majority of the women I know in my life. And I've also known that at my so-called heaviest, I have felt the best and looked my best. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such an important reminder is when you have those kind of sirens in your head of like, oh, I've been taking creatine. Like mm -hmm. the scale went up a little bit. It's creatine. It's like, take a yeah. step back, look in the mirror. How do you feel? And yeah. it's creatine. It has a small effect. Again, a small effect. So it, 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 a small but significant effect and in terms of weight it's very very temporary if it does happen to you yeah that's actually yeah because again the scale is a, is a useful tool and can be a useful tool it's like a hammer right you can't build an entire house with a hammer right so your mm -hmm. progress in your health the scale can be a tool i think it's helpful if you're going through a dedicated like fat loss or muscle gain it can be helpful to know what your weight is doing just depending on your diet but especially when it comes to like actual pro okay if you're successful or not in what you're trying to accomplish, it really doesn't have anything no. to do with it. No. Like logically, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. Your scale is not going to tell you if you're feeling better, performing better, looking better in the mirror. Your scale is not going to tell you that. And those are the things that we're all chasing. So it's a helpful tool, but realize it's one out of dozens of tools. Yeah. Yeah. Dozens of tools. So I think that's a tight spot to wrap it up. I think we went pretty we deep. I talked about up. an hour, that was... over an hour on creatine, Love which is big. I'm like, you know what's going to suck is we're still going to get questions and be like, you know what? We didn't cover X, Y, Z. That's going to hurt okay. a little bit. But. You can definitely, how about we can do, we have this cool feature now through Spotify where we Let's can add some, ask you guys some questions. We can add in some polls. So we'll drop some of those below for you to engage with. If you have any remaining yeah. questions, we can definitely answer some on TikTok, Instagram stories. Uh, yeah. Engage with us as much as possible. Big time. Yeah, we can try that feature. I forgot we had that mm -hmm. to answer. And you'll probably always have one-off individual questions that you can always hit us up. Our socials are fs.pod on Instagram and TikTok. Instagram DM and messaging is probably the best way if you have questions about it, uh, especially just starting out. We're not highly trafficked over there. Uh, just had a Twitter. We have not tweeted yet, but the Twitter <laughs> account is fitnessstuffpod. Uh, and you can find us all there. Our podcast, you know, are live on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Music, uh, anywhere you can find podcasts. So yeah. we appreciate you guys listening as we start out. We hope you gained a little bit more insight on 
creatine today. We hope you start playing with it if you haven't already. Uh, and we'll talk to you all next time. Yeah. Have a good one. We love you. <laughs>